I'm Bill Cleveland, and this is Rediscover America. From G.I. Joe to Batman and even those Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the action figure has long been a part of every child's toy box since the late 1950s. Kevin Stark of Paul's Valley, Oklahoma, has not only designed some of the most recognizable action figure toys, he's also amassed one of the world's largest collections. And he'll join me next. Rediscover America is sponsored in part by Visit Washington, Missouri. Visit the only corncob pipe factory in the world, enjoy unique shops and dining experiences along the Missouri River, as well as festivals year-round. Come by car, train, or bike and experience historic Washington, Missouri. Kevin Stark, it's great to have you on Rediscover America. Thanks so much for joining me. Hey, good to be here. I actually learned a little bit of history today, and you tell me if this is correct. Hopefully my research was was pretty spot on. I was looking for the earliest known action figure, and what I found was in the late 1950s. I guess Barbie got started before G.I. Joe got started, right? Do, do you know? Yeah, yeah, Barbie came out in 1959. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. 1959, and then, so G.I. Joe came along as sort of a... Um, you know, something for the boys since the girls were <laughs> had Barbies yeah. to play with. Yeah, Barbie was so popular for Mattel, and uh, in '59, in fact, 350,000 Barbies were sold the first year. Uh, that uh, it was so popular that Hasbro decided they needed to compete, and so they went for the little boy market instead of the little girl market. And it was Hasbro that coined the phrase "action figure." So uh, they did not want to sell them as dolls uh, because in 1964, you know, no dad was going to let their son play with a doll. <laughs> so they called it a military action figure. And that's what it was, was a generic military figure and uh, was uh, very popular. Now, you have the Action Figure Museum, which is in Paul's Valley, Oklahoma. And let's just stop for a moment and, and tell people a little bit about Paul's Valley, Oklahoma to begin with. Because I, I guarantee you, 99% of the people listening right now are saying, where on earth is Paul's Valley, Oklahoma? So tell me where it is. Tell me a little bit about the town. Well, we are right between Dallas, Texas, and Tulsa, Oklahoma. We're two and a half hours from Dallas, two and a half hours from Tulsa, 60 miles south of Oklahoma City on Interstate 35. There are 6,300 people that live here. We have uh, enough action figures for everyone in town to have two. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, it, we're kind of we're the county seat of Garvin County and a uh, nice little town, great community, brick streets, uh, you know. Just uh, it's it's kind of what Disneyland tried to do with Main Street America in their uh, section of Disneyland. We're we're the actual thing, so you know we're just like an, uh, a small town everywhere, but we're not a very ordinary small town. So <laughs> well, you fit right in then, right? That's a good thing. Uh, yeah, fit right in. There seem to be. A lot of crazy folks around here, so <laughs> and crazy as in creative, and you know, wanting to do a lot of different stuff. So, well, you you mentioned we, the location, and that's how I discovered you driving from Tulsa to Dallas, and 
just saw a sign, pulled off the highway and decided to pop in, met you, toured your, your museum, had a really great uh, great time and a great conversation with you. Um, I imagine that most people who visit that museum will, will tell you or you'll hear people maybe talking amongst themselves about sort of their earliest recollection of action figures and, uh, you know, remembering the toys that they played it with as a kid. And I was thinking about this earlier today. And I think for me, it, it was the He-Man toys, which I guess that was in the early 80s. And I remember having a handful of them. Uh, you know, we didn't have a, a ton of money when I was growing up. But I remembered my, my cousin, they were they were a little better off. They had a little more, a little more <laughs> free money to spend. And uh, uh-huh. he had all of the action. I mean, he had all of the characters. And I remember it was always a treat when we got to go and visit the cousins because, oh, my gosh, we got to play with all of the He-Man toys instead of my, you know, oh, three yeah. or four that I had. So what, for you... Being a guy that collects action figures, uh, over 13,000 in your collection, what, what was your earliest memory of having those toys? Well, I, I, I grew up in the era of the uh, 12-inch tall G.I. Joes and Captain Action. And there was not an abundance of superhero toys, so especially not action figures. Uh, so I actually created capes and wings and things like that for G.I. Joe's. <laughs> so my G.I. Joe's became my superhero toys. So, and, uh, then you could buy the, uh, like the Spider-Man outfit, the Captain America outfit, the Superman outfit from Captain Action, which I did not have a Captain Action, <laughs> uh, figure, but they would also fit on the G.I. Joe's. And I had inherited the G.I. Joes from my older brother, so uh, I got to play with those. So I think I think one thing that's interesting about your action figure museum is that most of, or I guess many of, the, the items that you have on display, they are not in boxes. And I think that's one thing, and I could be wrong about this, but I think that's one thing when people talk about toys and they talk about you know certainly being in a museum or being you know, worthy of being in a collection, most people think of the toys having to be, you know, still in that vacuum-sealed container. And your toys, for the most part, in that museum, they're out and about. Yeah. uh, Well, you know, we have a mixture of both. Uh, I I don't buy toys for the investment. Uh, I buy them for the love of it. Uh, So I'm all for opening toys and things like that and playing with them and seeing how they work and how they function because really that's how I got into it was I just had such a respect for the design and the uh, art that went into it uh, and I wanted to see how they worked and how they moved and things like that. So, uh, you know, I'm a strong supporter of both. You can uh, have some in the package and you can have some out that are open and generally speaking, I have both of, of a lot of the figures. So, uh, in fact, I just purchased another figure the other day that I already have three of. Uh, two in the package, one open in the museum, and now this one is open on my desk. <laughs> so, <laughs> I have du- duplicates of, of many things. So. Well, talking about your interest of, you know, how they work and how they move and, and whatever, uh, I think people would be interested to know that, either before you started collecting or in the midst of 
midst of collecting things, you, you actually designed action figures, and that was actually, and I guess still is, part of, of what you do for a living. Talk about that a little bit, and maybe talk about some of the action figures or, or the lines of toys that you have helped uh, work on. Yeah, well, actually, I started collecting action figures in 1986, and then in 1990, I got a call to do some design work for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, so I did some work with those. They had no idea I was a collector when they called. And um, I was like, yeah, wow, you wouldn't believe what I'm sitting around right now. I mean, after four years of collecting, I had hundreds and hundreds of toys. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so it kind of fit right in with uh, being a collector, uh, also getting to design figures. And so I worked on the Turtles, the Simpsons, uh, Stretch Armstrong, uh, The Mask, uh, Toon Sylvania we did with Steven Spielberg, uh, The Mummy we did for Universal Studios, uh, Pink Panther, Zorro, uh, just a lot of different stuff. So, uh, yeah, and still occasionally do stuff. So. You know, I, and without getting too much into the weeds, uh, can, can you explain that process a little bit? Because I think people would find it interesting, you know, from conception, you know, to the shelf at the, at the store. You know, what are what are some of those things that happen behind the scenes as those figures are being, you know, designed, created, and then, of course, sold to customers? Well, it's kind of funny because a lot of people who come in the museum, they really have no idea how toys get made. And I get the impression that they think they just appear, you know, <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of work that goes into it before you ever see the toy. Uh, a company will, you know, get a license to create a certain toy line or whatever uh, of, say, Star Wars or whatever. And uh, then they have artists like myself who uh, then come up with what the toy is going to look like before you get into the sculpt- sculpting phase. Uh, the thing is a, a company wants to see what it's going to look like, what the poses are, where the action fe- features are, you know, what are the accessories, things like that. And all that in the design phase is determined by what the market is going to be. Uh, like if you're marketing it to a small kid, it's going to be different than if you're marketing to a collector. Col- with a collector, you're going to have more detail. You're going to have more articulation. You know, uh, the paint job might be better, things like that. So if you want this thing to retail for eight ninety nine, you have to design it for eight ninety nine. Uh if it's going to be a collector figure that's going to retail for forty dollars, then you know, you then design accordingly. So that's what I do and what a lot of designers do, uh, is that we take the assignment from the company and and you know go for that go for uh whatever style it's going to be and then once we nail that down with the company then those drawings go to the sculptor and he works from the drawings and uh, does this the actual clay sculpting and and what what sort of is the time frame here so you get a design or you get a, a you know a that they contact you and say, "Hey, Kevin, we need you know this toy of you know, Homer Simpson or whatever." Uh, yeah. How long generally does it take you to put together something to send back to be produced? Well, part of why I get hired is I'm very fast <laughs> at what I do, and so uh, like for instance, 
when we did the toy line for the mummy, uh, we had, we had been talking to the toy company. They were saying, no, we're not going to do toys. We're not going to do toys. And then two weeks before the New York toy fair, which is where the major companies would buy, decide what toys they were going to buy for their stores. The company toy company said, we want toys. We want to do action figures and we need them for the New York toy fair. So we had two weeks to design and sculpt a whole line of toys. So we were working 24 hours a day, taking like 30 minute naps <laughs> in order to get this stuff done. Uh, and I had to do the Brendan Fraser figure and the, this was the adult collector figure. And, uh, the sculptors called over and said, you know, we're ready for that. When are you going to have that? I hadn't even started it. And the guy on the phone looking across the room at me and he said, we'll have that in. And I said, 30 minutes, we'll have it in 30 minutes. And so in 30 minutes, I designed the uh, action figure and, and send it over to him. Oh so my goodness gracious. Well, you must be good. <laughs> well, it's, it's, you know, they they actually like to hire people from uh, Oklahoma, Texas, places like that, because we have a work ethic. <laughs> we don't just stop at five o'clock. So. Uh, Kevin Stark is uh, down in Paul's Valley, Oklahoma, as you uh, heard here. He's a, a designer of action figures and uh, curator and uh, owner of the Action Figure Museum there in Paul's Valley, Oklahoma, as well. Uh, you have, as I mentioned earlier, over 13,000 action figures in your collection. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, I was just there, you know, back in, when was that? Was that February or something of, of 2018? Yeah, something like that. that. Yeah. yeah. So, so by, you may have 14,000 by now. I don't know. Um, <laughs> at what? Well, actually, <laughs> I probably do because I just bought a big collection. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't take long for stuff to get outdated here. Um, at, at what point, Kevin, did you realize, oh boy, maybe I might have a problem. Maybe, maybe I, maybe I have too many of these things. Maybe we need to get them out of the basement of the house and put them somewhere else. At, at what point did that light go off? Well, first off, uh, I still don't feel like I have a problem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> secondly, uh, they, they were never in my house. Oh, okay. Uh, they were in my art studio. Okay. And so, uh, I was just surrounded by toys in my art studio and, you know, I was kind of the unofficial tourist attraction. Uh, people would come to see the toys because, uh, oh, a news station would do a feature on me or a magazine or a newspaper would do a feature on the fact that I was a toy designer living in this little town in <laughs> Oklahoma and that I had thousands of toys. And so every time something like that would happen, uh, total strangers would seek me out and knock on my door. They'd be from out of town and, and they'd want to see the toys. And I was like, uh, well, I'm in here working, but sure, come on in. <laughs> you know? And so uh, everything was at my studio. And when the town decided they wanted some unique tourist attractions in the downtown area, I joked with them that I was the unofficial tourist attraction. and Maybe we ought to make it official. And uh, so they were like, yeah, okay, let's do that. So a committee was formed, and we worked on getting a 501c3 nonprofit status and looking for a building and doing some designs. And when this one building came uh, open downtown, we've got 7,000 square feet uh, that we converted into the museum. So uh, we rented that for the first few years, and then we bought the building, 
And uh, so we totally gutted it and uh, uh, just totally redid the inside. And there we had the museum. So, and it's been open for 12 years. Uh, you know, we talk about people who will take the toys out of the packaging and play with them and you buy them for just the love of having the toy. Then we talk about people who buy them and, you know, they don't want to open anything and they're just, you know, using, buying it for an investment or whatever. Um, which leads me to this, the most valuable stuff that you have, uh, some of those most valuable action figures, and, and you honestly could tell me anything. I'm not going to double check. I I don't know. I'm not I'm not very well schooled in toys beyond the few that I had as a kid. But what are some of the most valuable action figures that people you know can get their hands on today? Well, the most valuable ones that we have are like prototypes. Hmm. Uh, these are one of a kind things that the company makes. And just to see if the uh, features are all working, if the, the joints all fit together, things like that. And sometimes they'll do a hand-painted version of them. And we've got three or four of those. Uh, we also have one of the original plaster casts of the Balrog action figure from the Lord of the Rings line. And uh, these were all things we got from the NECA Corporation, uh, which is a big you know, toy producer, mostly of collectible toys or or toys aimed at collectors. Uh, so those things are the most expensive things we have because they're not available in stores. And uh, yet they are things that uh, the company produces, but they're usually kept within the company. So. Yeah. Do, do you ever have the opportunity to meet other people who are similar to you and that they collect things on the same scale as your collection of action figures, you know, I I did a story several months ago in Middleton, Wisconsin, with a guy who collects mustard. Okay, he collects mustard tins, <laughs> and, and he has cool. you know like nine thousand of these things, and he's got a museum. I'm just curious, do you ever get the chance to talk to people who you know maybe pop in and go, oh yeah, but by the way, I have a collection of dot dot dot. Do you ever ever meet those folks? Oh oh yeah, sure. Uh, met a guy who collected uh, hot sauce. He collected Tabasco hot sauce, or not just Tabasco, but all hot sauce. Yeah. Uh, but then also lots of the other toy collectors. Uh, met a couple of guys who have a place in Austin, Texas, and that they've opened it uh, similar to my place, only much, much smaller. But they have much, some really great stuff down there, and we've become friends. And, you know, we're kind of going to, we're trying to work on some stuff together. Uh, which would be great. But, uh, yeah, I meet collectors all the time. So uh, it really is one of the best things about having the museum is I have met collectors from all over the world, literally. Uh, I've got a guy I keep in contact with down in Rio de Janeiro and another guy in Germany and another one in Australia. And uh, we all stay in contact and talk toys and <laughs> actually send each other stuff. So, That's cool. uh, yeah, there's lots of collectors out there, and I really like the fact that I get to meet them. I'll, I'll end with this question. You know, we are becoming so digital now where you look around, anywhere you go, you see kids playing on their phones or on the uh -huh. iPad or video games or, or whatever. And I'm curious, 
um, you know, not only as a toy enthusiast, but as a guy whose livelihood depends at least in, in some instance on, on designing these toys. D- do you think 20 years from now we're still going to have action figures? Uh, you know, that's a tough question uh, because a lot of the collectors today are trying to collect the things they played with as a little kid. Mm. And still, the little kids, before they get into the computers and the phone, iPhones and all that kind of stuff, they still play with some toys, you know. And granted, uh, I don't think it's as big or as strong as it used to be, uh, but there are other reasons for that, too. Uh, the fact that the government won't allow commercials about the toys of the cartoon you're watching to be aired at the same time. So if you were back in the 80s, if you were watching the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you were also seeing commercials about the toys. Hmm. And so they quit allowing that. And so, you know, that that I think affected the market also. So it, it's not all just about computers. but And so I think in 20 years, though, there will be these kids, you know, that are little kids today trying to find those toys that they had as a child. And uh, so you never know, you know, uh, the market certainly changes a lot over the years. So. Yeah. Well, you're, mu- you're very hard to predict. Well, your museum is fantastic uh, for folks who want to find it, um, it. It is you're right. It's sandwiched really right between Tulsa and, and Dallas. And you're going to make that drive down the highway and you'll see the sign. And it's a, a short, uh, short ride right off the interstate there. And um, it, it's a lot of fun. I think it's designed really well. And one thing I, I do really like, and I think I told you this when we met in person, is that I appreciate that you allow people to take photographs inside your museum. And I, oh, as, yeah. as a travel writer, I find that there are times people are like, oh, you can't take pictures in here, and I, which is, is a complete nonsense. And so I say, good, good for you for not only allowing it, but you get it. You understand why it's important to let people uh, take those photos. So, and I well, hope it's like, helpful. Like, like I said, that's the only way I remember where I've been. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's the Action Figure Museum, Paul's Valley, Oklahoma. Uh, I suggest folks to pop in there, check out the collection, and say hello to you, Kevin Stark. You're a nice guy, as are as are people generally in Oklahoma. What a lovely state, Oklahoma. Yeah, we like it around here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much for joining me. All right, Bill, well, thanks. Take care of yourself. Check out BillOnTheRoad.com for great road trip ideas and some great stories about people and places making America great. Remember, all roads lead to another great destination. Get out and rediscover America for yourself. I'm Bill Cleveland, and we'll talk to you next time on another episode of Rediscover America.